Hi, welcome to In the Pacha, where I, Sam Reinstein, discuss the weekly Torah portion. Each week, I will bring on a different educator who will bring in their own insight. I'm a rabbi at Congregation Kozel, and I've come to notice there is a lack of Torah that is both high-level and accessible. This podcast is an effort to fill that gap. This week for Parsha Korach, I have Isaiah Rothstein. Hey, Isaiah. Hey, how's it going, Sam? Good, how are you? Uh, it's so good to be here. Things are great. Shavuot Tov. Yeah. Shavuot yeah. Um, I, I know you pretty well. Can you introduce yourself to everyone uh, listening? Yeah, my name is um, Isaiah Rothstein. I'm originally from uh, Muncie, New York. It's a small little shtetl, little town, mm-hmm. uh, just 40 minutes north of New York City. And uh, yeah, you know, my, my upbringing has taken me from many places, but, um, you know, I currently work as the Rabbi in residence at Echazon, I'm a musician of the band, songwriter, um, and I also have the honor of saying that I got to go to rabbinical school uh, where you went, to Yeshiva University, and sharing different journeys. I went to Binghamton for college and Kushner for high school, and I was raised with someone called um, Haredi and Muncie. Um, as a youth, Chabad, and as well as mixed race heritage, my mom's African American, uh, mixed race, and convert to Judaism. Um, cool. That's right. a little bit about me. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so many different things going on. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of fun. Definitely not staying still. A lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, we actually just shot a music video today for our band. Oh, cool. so that, yeah. yeah. And when's that coming out? Do you know? Um, yeah, hopefully in the next, uh, you know, I mean, when it comes to the editing part, you never really have a hard day to know, but, but hopefully in the next two or three weeks, um, definitely definitely during the first the first few weeks of camp it will be out, but hopefully a little bit before that. So so people can just be on the lookout for, like, is they have a music video? Exactly, yeah, Modani. Cool. It'll be a lot of fun. Nice. I'm looking forward. Good one to, uh, to start, start the... Uh, start the journey with. <laughs> exactly. Right. Nice. Um, okay. So we're going to move on to, I'm going to do, try and do the summary as quick as possible. Um, a little more difficult because it's one big story. So I want to get in some detail, but don't want to gloss. So I don't, don't want to gloss over the entire thing. Um, then I, right. I'm going to be, be really interested to hear um, what you have to bring to Project Aura. Beautiful. I'm excited to share. Okay. So Korach and his 250 followers stage a rebellion against Moshe and Aaron. Moshe says to make a test with fire pans where Aaron and the others will give incest to God and God will choose the person that he wants. Moshe then tries to stop them from their suicidal mission. Instead, Korach grows his group. God threatens to kill off all the people for their insubordination, but Moshe and Aaron's prayer limits it to Korach and his family who are swallowed up by the earth and 250 followers who are killed in heavenly fire. Aaron, of course, wins that aforementioned test, and Moshe takes all the fire pans and plates the altar with them as a reminder. A plague still strikes the nation, and Moshe tells Aaron to give incest in the middle of the nation, which ends the plague. Another test is then done, where Aaron and someone from each of the 12 tribes put the staff in the tabernacle. Aaron's staff blossoms with almonds, and no other staff does. Then the Torah lists different gifts that were supposed to be given to the Kohanim and the Levian. Wow. Um, yeah. 
So I'm curious, like, because it's obviously one big story, basically, other than the quantum Olivia stuff at the end. So I'm interested to hear um, which part of this you want to focus on. Yeah, well, for one, there's definitely, um, as we see in um, in, in many of, of the narratives of the Torah, there's really so much about human relationship, the human condition, um, the experience of how we view community, um, how we view leadership, how we view authority, um, you know, and also as well as the public, right? Mitochaida, like what's this experience of when there are others who are observing something take place. And in many ways, <clears throat> a sense of the stories of the desert, of the Midbar, show an experience where there's nothing there. It's a Midbar, it's a desert. And so, but there's so much even going on to begin with. Um, so, you know, one thing that I, I personally love to think about when I am learning Parsha, when I go through the Parsha is, is really also contextualizing the book, the Sefer. And the reason why I think that's important and one thing that I think is a good supporting reason is like, we, we see that many of the commentators um, on all of the books of the Tanakh, of, of Jewish literature, spend the time to make serious hakdamot, right? Introductions to give, to give an, the arc of what's happening or to experience what, it, what do we even think this book is trying to tell us? And so um, I know that, you know, as much as we know, there are the five books of the Torah, right? Right, as we say, Genesis or Exodus, Leviticus, Vayikra, but Midbar is Numbers, and uh, Deuteronomy as as Tevarim. Like there are also these alternative names that the rabbis have given for these books to kind of even help us consider each story. What glasses to wear? What's the lens? So when we read something like Vayikach Korach, the Korach has come to a new place. Who's Korach? We've heard of him before, but. Somehow there's a story of, of Ben Yitzhar, Ben Kahat, Ben Levi, which the rabbis don't give him a lot of whole praise. Uh, they actually, the Talmud uses his name to describe how he's not the best of characters, how he, Ben Yitzhar is like, he's like the rays of, of the sun in the day that just burn you and make you feel like, but what's that even, what's, what is that even, what, what's that about? Like, right. Why would the Talmud go out of its way um, to kind even of describe this like character? A little bit. Interesting. Say that again? He, they almost make like his lineage a metaphor for like how he was like almost destined or like how he is bad. Um, instead of just being like, this was his dad's name. Yeah. Um, it's actually really weird. I, I, I've always I've always been curious, you know. We we in Judaism and the more the meta traditions, you know, like the Kabbalah and Hasidut would say that names are essentially everything, or that the world is made out of letters. But we actually see even also in, in the Gemara that that very often we take, um, you know, even just last week's Torah portion with the spies, like saying that their legacy was actually found in their name somehow. Um, it is really interesting, um, you know, and, and it says the same thing with, you know, the, the, the later folks, Datan Vaviram, these, these other people who show up, they also, you know, their, their names. So yeah, it's an interesting thing. Um, you know, and I, and I would say so, so with these names and thinking about names as actually a framework, 
So, you know, the, the first book of the Torah, um, having an alternative name um, given by the rabbis of Sefer Yetzira, the book of creation, that, that if we really look at, at Bereshit, we can see what it means to create a, any, any creation story, what creativity looks like, what um, different archetypes of characters, who we are, you know, the human condition and all of our facets. And then there's Genesis, there's, there's, sorry, Exodus, there's Shemot, which um, the Ramban I know mentions in his introduction, which is called Sefer HaGeula, the book of redemption, saying that at any form of any slavery, slavery or captivity, that if you look at the book of the Exodus at Sefer HaGeula, there's a blueprint for all redemptions that will come. So the civil rights and slavery and all different kinds of um, movements <clears throat> and communities that have drawn. I think it's like a really special thing that that's Shemot and Vayikra, also known as Torah Kohanim, the laws of of the priests of of the the temple of holiness of purity and impurity, moral integrity. Um, it's like you know, and what that looks like. And so we come to this book by Midbar, and it's about um, it's about numbers. It's about being counted. It's Chumash Kudim, the book of being counted. Um, and one thing that I just like to think about, and I want to think about with you, is on some level that may be true, that it's the book of counting people. It's the book of recognizing who is and who isn't. It's about the, the priests, um, the leaders. It's about each individual voice somehow being raised and brought to the surface. And yet <clears throat> those voices that come up our voices of not being heard. It's like, it's a book of, of paradox in a real serious way. Um, and so thinking about um, Midbar, and I'll just say that Devarim, the fifth book, is, is known as the Mishnah Torah, the Repeated Torah, um, due to the fact that, that Moshe really gives uh, this very long, long-ended uh, drasha, or as we would say, sermon, um, as the fifth book recounts different narratives. But so when we go back to Bamidbar, we see that it's the book of countings. And yet, according to the Torah, only two, two people, Kalev and Yoshua, are, are destined to go into the land. So this question of who's counted, they're counted, but for what experience and for what reason? That's one question that, that I have, Sam, I, that I would love to talk out with yeah. you. And I'd love to hear from some of the listeners what they're thinking about. Um, but we see this theme of being actually forgotten, where there's a question that resurfaces throughout every character, throughout the entire book of Bamidbar, of a sense of, as is said around Pesach Sheni, Lama Nigara, like, why should I be left out? Right? And everyone's asking it, and it's being asked throughout every parsha. Like, if we just look at Bamidbar through a lens of being remembered, but then being forgotten, being seen, but then being lost being on a journey and in a direction and yet traveling in circles sometimes. Um, it's some, somehow the perfect place for the Torah. Where there's many commentaries about why we have to receive the Torah in the desert. Um, but there's conflict. There's conflict throughout the unknown. The unknown freaks out people in the desert. It causes 
almost anarchy in the camp. It causes death after death after death. There are many moments, and the, the Talmud actually writes that <clears throat> that there are ten different tests that um, that took place against Hashem, against God. That the, we tested God ten different ways while we were in the desert, and these tests caused different destructions. And it was actually the sin of the, the ten spies, last week's Torah portion, that somehow caused the need for a whole new way of looking at the world, a whole new way of looking at the Torah. Um, so I think I'll just like land with that of this question of was the desert a, a, an accident or a prerequisite actually, right? Because we know that the wandering seems like it was a punishment of sorts um, due to due to the lack of faith that the leaders representing the people had. Um, it could seem as a punishment, but then on another level, we, ha- we knew we wanted to go to the land. We knew we were on a journey to the land, but we somehow needed the desert. We needed to be in the unknown, maybe. Uh, we needed to be without with these senses. And so with Korach and uh, with Korach landing with this idea that, that Korach is a leader. He's from the tribe of Levi. He is a leader. He's involved. He is not someone on the sidelines. He is a community organizer. He's from the tribe of Levi and he comes to Moshe and that even in itself, right? Obviously, Moshe was accessible, but we know that the Torah says that there were different rankings of leaderships, right? And so, yeah. so there's relationship, there's relationship, and yet there's conflict. And Moshe doesn't have to take Korach's complaint of Rav Lachem, right? right? We're all holy, we're all great. Moshe doesn't know how to take that. He listens, it says, Vaishma Moshe. He listens, he, he sits with it. Like he looks Korach in the eyes, but he can't keep it together. And they pull up enough, right? right. He does something. Even, so- then, even then, he like goes to them to try and convince them. Otherwise, he doesn't get all fiery and brimstone. Like he, he really does do it as like a personal connection. He definitely has that with, with Korach. Um, in a way you wouldn't necessarily. Right. I love that. It's also like it's just pointing out. It's like literally. It's like, hey, brother. Like your your right. your mama. Right. You're literally from my tribe. Like you're, you're. We we share the same flag. Like flag. We are the same, or maybe not the same flag, but you know the same roots and who we are. So so within your framework that you put at the beginning, like if if the book is about like everyone being counted and everyone being remembered, then it's interesting that Korach's like plea of like, everyone is holy, um, isn't heard more, you know? Cause then if that's like a theme of the book that like everyone matters and everyone needs to be counted, <laughs> that's really what he's saying. So it kind of like, it's almost weird that like, it's, he's not almost like, you know, you're right. Um, he really gets shut down obviously. Right, and so I love that. Que- I love that point because 
I've been thinking about this also, like there are actually, there are countless situations in Bamidbar where people call out to be accepted mm. and we accept them. Right. Like meaning like, Benot Salavchad, right. right? Later. It's Bamidbar, it's a Bamidbar story. It's a narrative that we, I find, I believe it's in Pinchas, right? Yeah. Or am I wrong about yeah. that? It's so later. yeah, so and it's later. It's later in Bamidbar. It's like ten, twelve chapters from now. Um, but there, I think it's a. Uh, in Pinchas, uh, chapter twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Yeah. Beautiful. So I love it. exactly. Um, <laughs> and so I think it's like a a powerful thing that you know. Also with Pesach Sheni, the, the as we colloquially call the holiday of second chances was a question of we also want to be a part of Passover. Just because we were impure, we were Hayutamayam Lenefesh Adam, that we were we were exposed to being impure, that we couldn't offer the the Paschal sacrifice. Right. right? What about us? Right. And there's and we live in a we live in a generation, as you know, as a congregational rabbi, mm-hmm. of what about us? Yeah. Um, Interesting, right, so, right. And I think, though, I think that there's a question of um, the Ada, also this language of public communal life or the sphere. And I, maybe I'm expanding that translation. But what we see is that Moshe is punished for hitting the rock. Some commentators offer that it was, yes, hitting the rock, but it was also the fact that it was Lifnea Eda. And we actually even see that in uh, the, the, the ninth verse of the first Aliyah of Korach, it says, right, Hama'amikem, right? He says, well, is, is there not enough? Is there not enough mm-hmm. that you are close to God, that you have all these services, right? Right? And that you have to right. do all these services. And it says, Lifnea Eda talks about this idea that we're constantly before the congregation. And so I think it's also Korach did it in a in front of everyone hmm. at this amidst the camp. It's interesting, and and there and oh. and the, like you were mentioning in your introduction, Aaron, you know Aaron and the 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 machtot, right? These uh, these basins for incense was a response also in front of in front of the camp. Right. So maybe I mean in that in that concept is that. Maybe Korach's like initial thought is actually true, right? That true. Everyone is holy, and everyone deserves second chances, and everyone deserves to be part of it. But only when they're doing it in like ways that are appropriate, and when are and are are not trying to negate what's what what's already there, but are trying to like supplement it, right? So when somebody comes and says they're not saying I don't want to have Pesach Rishon, they're just saying. We just want to also do Pesach Shani. We couldn't do we couldn't do it last month. Can we do it now? But no Slavgard aren't trying to change the whole thing. They're just saying, you know, we we get screwed here a little bit because our father passed away and we don't have any brothers, so we don't get any land. Like, what do we do for ourselves? And they're just asking to be heard, but they're not asking to negate. Um, and uh, they're not just asking to be counted. They're not asking to like not count other people. And Korak really does that, as you're saying, right? It's like, don't you have enough? Like, it's really negating Moshe Aaron in order to get more power for himself. I don't know. Right. 
it's it, no, I think you're spot on. I think that's also the shot. I think that that's what the text is pointing to when it says that he he was questioning Uvi Kashtem Gama Kuhuna, right? He was he was right. the the priesthood was was as, as much as it was a ritual um, job for better lack of a word. <laughs> um, because it was, there was labor involved. There was showing up to work, so to speak. Right. Um, but in so time, it was political, powerful position, honorable position. Yeah, in the coin and the king, like the coin and yeah. the king, right? Those. Two, I mean, I know we're talking about later times, but if we look at times of how the you know the Mishnah would refer to who could be involved in certain processes, the coin and the king were sometimes the biased characters due to their power. Huh. Right. Beautiful. So it's yeah, yeah, he's like very much trying to get that power, even and even though his main idea might be like totally legit, uh, it's not it's not heard because of how he's doing it and what he's doing it for. And I, I, and that word of it's not heard, like there's something like the other thing going back to Bamidbar as a framework. Right, that the fact that it says the Midbar Sinai, the fact that we're in this place of of wandering and and unknown, that like is Korach a a, a a one-off outlier, like, or is he a symptom of of a context? Um, and and I'm not trying to psychoanalyze who Korach was per se. I'm saying more that there was a breakdown in. Um, this unity, this counting of tribes, this counting of leaders, this counting of recognition, but there was then this sense of of senselessness where where literally your senses where you can't hear, where we regress to like Egypt like tendencies, right? Where we like and and the symptoms of the desert is a challenge that ultimately, like I said earlier, like is maybe necessary. For us to be a people, because we become a people, we acquire the Torah and the desert, um, and so I, I do have curiosity around that, about around this idea of when it comes to the context of how we receive receive the Torah, as well as as hear, read, and and learn these these stories. Do we think about whether? a breakdown in a story like we see with Korach is because of a symptom of the larger context, or is that Korach an outlier um, on his own? And it seems like he's a part of a, a larger narrative of people, but it was his approach, like you just said. Um, one idea that I also wanted to bring up was like, yeah. is that we see that Korach separated himself from the community a little bit, and um, because of that, the response was that Hashem commanded to Moshe and to Aaron to tell the whole Eidah, going back again, this word Eidah, counted. How many times we're saying this word for Eidah, that the community, the congregation, the masses were there. Um, and it's and it says that Korach then has to be separated. Right. So I, that's another like big idea that I want to think about. And like, I just would love to hear your thoughts of like, the the desert is a, is a separation. It's like a new stage of, the development of, of you know, if, if if we're looking at psychosocial development of a person, like the psychosocial development of the Jewish people, like you know, maybe you would say our infancy stage was right was when we left Egypt, and like we're in a new stage of development. 
And like one thing that I am curious about is this idea of otherness and separateness. And sometimes our reaction to that is like someone's excluding me, but maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like otherness scares us, but maybe it's actually a good thing. And that like, it's okay that we don't have the same exact um, role or, or access, but maybe that's not true. Like maybe the access words are trigger words for our generation, but like, Maybe it's okay that it we're different and it's okay that our experiences are different and it's okay that that what we're commanded or what we see in the world is different. And I don't know. Right. It's like a thing for our... No, but I, but I think what you're saying is, is very true to that that thought, like um, that it is okay if we're different. It is okay if we have different experiences. But when we're different and have different experiences, we need to come in knowing that and not come in belligerent assuming that everyone should be should to like conform to our experience because um, that's kind of what Korach right. does you know he like comes in and be like is like belligerent about it um, meanwhile all these other cases that you're talking about don't do that um, mm. so yeah we mm. see we see actually so the separateness is the is the the root and it, and it also ends up being the remedy, right? And and um, where it says that that Hashem tells Moshe and Aaron to separate from this eda, from this group, from this community that the, the Korach and his cronies, as you would say, right. and and. And that that experience of like separating, where the whole camp must move away from them, where the whole Jewish people, right? And it's it's kind of saying that again, this this moving away, this separating, from these, move away from all of these bad people, move away, separate. And like here we are, we're going through the desert. We're we're separate from everything. We're we become a unit in the desert. We become a people in the desert. And so um, separateness. And you know, it reminds me of um, a piece of a piece of beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Torah from Rav Cook um, on this idea of separateness okay. and and. Um, and I know that I know that we we I, we have like only so much time so i'll keep it very brief yeah um the main no, idea, yeah the main idea of this text essentially there's a lot there's lots of ways um in which to look at it but i really had the the times where i've used it or i've taught it um is in the context of yom kippur and really thinking about how the kohen the kohen gadol is at the very center of the yom kippur experience and we even see that in, uh, in the, the Torah and Sefer Vayikra in the book of Leviticus, Torah Kohanim, where it mentions a lot of the, the, the verses around Yom Kippur. Um, it's just contextualizing the fact that like, well, I want to, like, what about it? Like maybe I, meaning I feel like I'm having my Bamidvar voice coming out when, when it's Yom Kippur. Like I, I want to go to the, I mean, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe that's a little bit of, of haughtiness to say that, mm-hmm. but like, I want, I want to go to the, the temple, the temple, and I want to be in the holies of holies on Yom Kippur, and maybe that is some of 
what we are trying to do on Yom Kippur as we pray. Um, but there's like that question. So this text comes to say, to say that there are two, and this is it, there are two main roots or two main paradigms through which human beings view the world. And the two main paradigms through which human beings view the world are the Kav HaMavdil and the Kav HaMechaber. Kav is a line or, or a platform, but a, the paradigm. So Kav HaMavdil, par, the paradigm of separation, that there are different things that are separate, and the paradigm of connection, and the Kav HaMechaber. So the Kav HaMavdil is, and this is what Rav Cook says, is the human experience, right? And, and it comes from our own humanity. The fact that I'm me, I breathe on my own. I'm separate. I know that I'm separate. I know that my breath is my own. And he, re, he even uses that language. Right? It's like this feeling that we have, and, but it's an inner humanity of I know that I'm me. I know that I'm an individual. So we live a little bit in the separateness. We like we all have a little bit of korach in us on some level of like what like I'm different. I'm I see that I'm like you, and I see that I'm not like you, and there's a, a relationship to that, um, you know. And and Rav Kook goes on to talk more about how when we have strong mindfulness and understanding, then we could really grasp um, our, the, the richness of our world and our individuality but also then being able to live with the Kafa Machaber, where we right. can constantly go back to connecting. And cool. what he even brings down is the Kohen Levi. He talks about how, from the Levi, he, he, which, which Korach was, says, Why was the tribe of Levi separate from the rest of the nation? Right? It's because really it was to help us show that there was levels of separation, not to show that one group was better than another group, but to show that we, we as human beings have the ability to separate and can have characters versus humans, like uh, versus animals, sorry, right? We can do things. We could, that through Torah, right, that it says, that through our separating qualities, through the fact that we are different, right? It's those things that make us the nefesh That's what brings us to our, that, that wholeness as our as a species. But then really also, as we're talking about with being in the midbar and confused and not knowing, right, the depth and quality of life. Because we're in the desert, we learn the depth and quality of life through our human interactions and struggles. And we see that separating and the brokenness of trying to come together or being misunderstood is like actually a beautiful and wholesome um, process for learning about who we are and who we are as a people. Cool. Adkan, that's it. Okay, right. yeah. I was going to end you there because that's a beautiful point. And uh, I think that's just a ton to think about. Um, I just want to go quickly because I know we're like going over time, but I, I'm going to go quickly to just a second thought pretty fairly quickly. Uh, so something that I was thinking about is if you notice in the summary, there was like another test that's done afterwards. And I was just trying to think of like, why is there another test done afterwards? Like there's this test with the fire pans, Aaron wins, Korach and his followers all die and like game over and that's it. <laughs> 
But like for some reason, there's this other test where Aaron and somebody from each of the twelve tribes put a staff in the in the Mishkan tabernacle, and Aaron's blossoms. And okay, great. But like Aaron was already clearly the Kohen, so like what's going on here? Like what's the point of the second test? Uh, so I saw two different like modes of conversation. Um, one of them was saying like. Oh, it wasn't clear. Like, was Aaron really chosen, or was it Korach that was just bad, right? Maybe because Korach said this. Korach separate, as you said, Korach separates stuff from his community. Korach did this wrong, or did this wrong, and that's why Aaron really won. And the second test is to choose. No, legitimately, Aaron's like really the Kohen Gadol, or is it? And when this is later, commentaries tend to say this one um, that. The first test was that Aaron was better than Korah. But what about Aaron's children? And like, what about Kohanim nowadays? How do we have proof that Korah's question isn't true 100 years from now? It's that second test. And that proves that the Levium and the Kohanim further on, uh, you know, they, that they're going to be chosen too, not just because Aaron was amazing. Um, and I think that was two different really ways, really fascinating ways to look at it um, because either of them kind of like show like a tendency to not take a test legitimately. Uh, and both of them have God giving another test to kind of like be like, no, this was legit. This was real. And like take it seriously and follow our own. Um, and it, depending on how you look at it, uh, is it for our own himself or for later on? I think that's less relevant maybe, uh, but it's like all about, you know, God seeing the problems that are going to come, come and kind of like answering them beforehand. Um, mm. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about that? Because it was something that I was seriously thinking about. Like, what, what's this point? Like, what's this test here at all? Yeah. What was your, your last thing that you just said? What's this what? Yeah, just like, what's this test here at all for at all? Um, because, I don't know, for me, I'm just reading the text. I'm like, okay, game over. Uh, but like God clearly sees something brewing and uh, yeah. wants to stop it. Right. And also this idea of somehow, I mean, I, I was starting to hear you sh share a little bit about the role of Aharon um, and how somehow the, tr the trust of B'nai Aharon, B'nai Levi, and how that there will be, there is a, a legitimacy somehow in showing Again, that even though there was a test and that it showed that Moshe and Aaron came to be um, more aligned with the divine command, mm -hmm. um, we see that the second test is maybe showing to, to teach us a message more about Levi as a whole. Um, right. And and yeah. and again, like this, it's it's kind of the role of Aaron in all of this. Like, you know, I've seen the Prince of Egypt. I love mm -hmm. it. Great movie. Our own, yeah, and you see, you see our own really feature, um, in a beautiful way as being like a, a hopeful voice along the way. But but in many ways, our own was a very very serious character in yeah. the Torah, and and Moshe and our own, right, is when it says Moshe and our own, and even we see in in this parsha, right, Mate our own, we see a lot of things going on with us. So yeah. Um, is it to retain the the legacy, maybe, of to like show even further 
to come to a, even for another test or um, and that's maybe something that I'm wondering is that like somehow the involvement of our own and showing again, further, further about that. Some, something that yeah. I'm talking about. The, yeah. Know, it's the, interesting. Cause I just noticed all the more recent commentaries, like the Hamakadav or the Meshachachma, like those were the, all the commentaries when answering this question kind of said something similar to what you're saying right now. Like the more modern commentaries wanted to say that type of stuff. And the older commentaries, like the, you know, like the Rishonim, were all like going at like how it made sense in the moment, uh, like how it made sense, like in the moment to make sure our own was legitimized, um, and it wasn't just Korach that was delegitimized. Um, you know, there's in the more modern stream, there's this focus on, on maybe legitimizing the Kohen and Levium as a whole. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and again, goes back to to these questions of the Kava Mavdil, Kava Machaber. Do we feel the unity in the fact that there was a need to elevate one group or to retain? Is what what is that? Is it if it's all about how we look at it? If it's a status thing, then it's a Korach way yeah. of looking at it. It's like this way of like, well, what about me? If it's like a ah, like wow, look at us, like we are made up of a people, we are still united as one and we have different voices in the community. Um, we have different fronts, we have different areas of focus. Yeah. Um, hmm. Right. And, and maybe, so maybe, like on some level, it's there just to legitimize that idea then, but it's also like to make it a paradigm for the future. Uh, and so therefore there has to be another test. Because it's not just about our own versus Korach. And there needs to be another test so that it's about 2018. Or whatever. Totally. It says, right? Yeah. That's one of the, I think it actually says in the Parsha also that when Hashem speaks to our own, it's not to Moshe, it's directly to our own, which is beautiful. Right. 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 It should be there forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we are we are known as a Mamlecha Kohanim also. You know, we are known as a people of of exactly this too. I mean, although it it's referring to um you know the priests of, of of the tabernacle and, and Mishkan and consequently then the temple. And on some level we live with this, with this divine command, you know, as a people throughout mm -hmm. history, that's also a powerful thing. Beautiful. Um, okay. So we, we went a little bit over time, but this was an awesome yeah. conversation. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, and uh, I mean, you also live in Crown Heights, so we'll see each other soon. Yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm certain that we will. Yeah. Okay. And for those listening, um, just pay attention for next episodes of In the Bacha, uh, next week for Parsha Hukkah.